The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. to be back in Faith Hill Church. Amen? All right, take a seat. I just think that you guys in second service are probably a whole lot more awake than first service. Is that right? How many people were here last service and you just didn't want to leave? Oh, come on. Look, these are for the fanatics down here. I don't know. So um, I'm going to do like a bit of a part two to what we did in first service. So uh, if you didn't, if you weren't here, then you need to get the teaching. How do they do that? You send it to them by email or something? On the website. So you know the website? faithfieldchurch.co.za for all our visitors. Z-A, if you're American. Z-A, for all of our visitors. Put your hand up so I can see. Who's the visitors? Who's, who's, who's come? Awesome. Thank you for coming out. Very good. All right. So um, last time... We were talking about um, how, how we need to mind our thinking. You know, my mum told me when I was little to mind my manners and be polite when I went around people's houses. But I've since realized there's something even more important than minding your manners, even though it's good for you to mind your manners, and that is to mind your thinking. We need to be careful what we're thinking because according to Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Right? So if we want to, if we want to think um, like a, if we want to, if we want to be wealthy and healthy and happy, we need to think like wealthy and healthy and happy people, right? What we have on the inside is going to come out, and um, this is a principle in the Word of God. And you know, last time, just to recap a couple of things, so you're not completely lost. We looked at Mark seven verse thirteen, how people make the word of the traditions of man make the word of God of none effect. You know, sometimes we are so attached to where we've come from, to the traditions of man, to our culture, to our upbringing, to, to things that were instilled in us as a child, that we struggle to leave those things and embrace everything that's in the kingdom. But kingdom principles work differently from human principles, right? And so um, it doesn't matter. Those things don't necessarily have to be bad things. You know, it doesn't have to be a negative experience that we're looking back to, although negative experiences can, can hinder us from moving forward if we're so attached to them at a heart level. You know, we could have good things in our culture, good traditions. Not all of them are bad. Not all of them are ungodly. But if we place higher value on those than we do in what the Word of God says about us, we're going to struggle to enter into everything God has for us, right? There's just some principles here. So we need to know what the Word of God says. We need to know what the Word of God says. How many people have been changed by the Word of God? Right? You've seen some scripture. I could probably go around the room and ask you to give examples, to give testimonies about how you, you, one scripture just jumped out of the page at you and you just stood on that Word in the face of all adversity and you've got a testimony on the other side of that trial. Right? We could go around and we could do that. Because the Word's faithful and it doesn't change according to the circumstances. You know, when Jesus got in the boat with the disciples, you can read this in the gospel, it says this in Mark chapter 4, he gave them an instruction. He says, now, men, we're going to go to the other side, right? We're going to go to the other side. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. We're going to get to the other side. Now, in the middle of that, a storm came up and out of nowhere, right? It came up out of nowhere. Now, it's typical in this region of the Sea of Galilee, but the thing that really stood out for me in that passage in Mark chapter 4 is the fact that the, the fishermen were scared. The fishermen were scared. Now, you know, fishermen, are, they're pretty tough, right? They're pretty tough. They're big, burly fishermen. They're expert in their arena. It's not like the first time they've been out on a pleasure boat, okay? Not the first time they've done this. It's not their first rodeo. But you know it's a bad storm when the fishermen are scared, Right? And in the middle of the storm, in the middle of all the, you know, the water's coming into the boat. And it's, a, it's a, what I call a full body experience. You know, sometimes we have those full body experiences where we have symptoms raging in our body, right? We wake up or something and it's just like you start with a stuffy nose and then you get a scratchy throat and then your eyes are running and you can't breathe and you cut. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, it becomes a full body experience, right? Now, I tell you, in... in, in in the, physical, in the physical realm, I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to stand on the Word of God when those symptoms first appear. 
right? Right before they've fully manifest and it's become a full body experience, right? And Jesus actually gave the disciples in that boat a little bit of a heads up. Now, guys, we're going to the other side. They have the Messiah in their boat. And they have a word of God that they are going to a destination, right? Do you think that God knew that that storm was going to come out of nowhere? Right? He knew he was going to go out there. He sent them anyway. Now, he didn't bring the storm, right? He didn't bring the storm. It's important we understand that. But he didn't know about it, and yet he told them to go anyway. You think, isn't that mean? Isn't that mean of God? He's setting people up for failure. No, because God never sets people up for failure. You see, and if they'd really had listened to the word of God that he had sown in them in the first place, that they were going to the other side, they wouldn't have entered into fear. When the wind and the waves blew and the water came in, they would have taken a look. Hang on a second. Messiah, where'd you go? Oh, you're napping in the bottom of the boat. Right? Because when we are centered in the peace of God, the storms of life won't move us. Doesn't mean they won't come, but they won't, they won't change a word from God. If they'd have brought back to their remembrance the word that was promised to them, you are going to the other side and place more value on the word of God. When the storm came, when the symptoms were raging, it wouldn't have moved them off of the word. You see, in every word from God is more than enough power to arrive at the destination. More than enough power, more than enough resources to enable you to do everything God's called you to do. He'd never tell you to do something that you couldn't do. So in that moment, Jesus is asleep on the boat. Now, just just think about this logically for a moment. The Messiah is in the boat. They've been traveling around with him for a few years now. They've seen him raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, all those kinds of things. And uh, he has a track record, and he's the Messiah. He's the son of God, right? They know that. They're convinced of that. But here's the thing. They're in the boat, and they weren't, they weren't fully persuaded in some areas. You see, we can know the word of God, but if we don't apply it to our life, we're still going to struggle in some areas. You know, in Hebrews, it puts it this way. The word of God, Hebrews 4 verse 2, the word of God did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, trust and confidence, in those who heard it. You see, we can be in church every Sunday. We can read our Bible every day. But if we don't apply it, it's not going to profit us in the area for which it sent it. Right? And so they needed to, in that moment, apply the word of God to the storm. But instead, because they were not fully convinced, because they, they were not fully convinced, they were more in the realm of their flesh than they were in the realm of the spirit, fear and their natural elements started to overtake them. And, and I mean, we can't give them a hard time because we've all been there too, right? I mean, how many of you have ever been afraid at some point in your life? Okay, right? And, and you know, Jesus' response, he's like, what is this faithless generation? What's going on? Why, why don't you have, what is, where's your faith at? And you can read it in different translations. It actually said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Is it in me or is it in your ability to get yourself out of this? Where is it? This is where the rubber meets the road. When challenges come, is it, are we going to resort to our previous mindset, our previous traditions of man, the culture that we've come for to be the solution to the problem? Or are we going to weather the storm and come out the other side according to the word of God? You see, this is, this is a more sure word. I'm going to go with the word of God, right? Because I know the limitations of, my, um, of myself. Of the, I, have, I know the limitations of my resources, of my abilities, of my influence. And sometimes storms that come in life are too big for you to overcome, right? And you might, you know, you might get a cold or the sniffles, and you might be able to weather that storm in your body, right? You might think, well, I could just go down the pharmacy, I could get some drugs, I can, whatever, and, and that's fine. And praise God, we're in it. We, have, we have options in the world, in, the, in this culture that we live in, but there are many cultures that don't have those options, right? What happens is, see, we need to practice the presence of God and listening and standing on the Word of God and having our mindset driven by the Word of God in the little things. Right? Because there are some storms in life that we can't get out of in our own resources and through our own experience and through, you know, through our own abilities. And so if we've developed some muscles, some faith muscles in the, smaller, in the smaller fights of life, David puts it this way. He says he fought the lion and the bear before he fought Goliath. Right? 
And what that's doing is that's exercising our trust in God. You know, we, took, we just took up the offering. You know, taking, give it, sowing and reaping, as, as Heather was saying, is not, God doesn't need your money. He paves his streets with gold. He's, a, he's, a, he's rich. He is a cattle on a thousand hills. You know, giving's for our benefit. Solely for our benefit. Right? Because when we give, it says God is able to make all grace abound to us. You know, he, when we give, what we're doing is we are trusting God with some of our natural resources, our natural ability, saying, Lord, I don't understand how this works, but I trust you with it. I trust you with it. We don't have to understand how everything works. We don't have to logic it out for faith to be effective in our life. Faith is going beyond our five senses. Right? So I want to look, you know, and let me just finish this, this, this passage of in Mark chapter 4 here, okay? When Jesus gets up, the minute he gets up at the bar, he's sleeping, right? He's sleeping through the storm. He's in perfect peace. He speaks to the storm and exercises authority over the storm, which they could have done. If they'd have brought to their remembrance the word that he gave them, we go into the other side, they wouldn't have entered into fear in the first place, right? Where is your faith? Is it in Jesus? Do we remember who's in our boat? Who's in your boat today, right? Who's, who is born? Let me ask you this. Who is born again in here today? Okay, that means at some point in your life, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen? If you haven't, we can help you with that afterwards. Come see Pastor Tafara. Okay? We can help you with that. The minute we receive Jesus, Jesus came into our boat. Do you think that the Messiah is going to go down under the weight of the storm? Man, you cannot lose when Jesus is with you. Say, Jesus is with me. Amen. The scripture says, greater is he who is in us, he knew than he who's in the world. Man, listen, you know, God gave me this a picture of this. When I was a little girl, um, I'd go swimming, and we'd have, um, with my brother, he's three years older than me, and we'd have these inflatable armbands. You have those, inflatable armbands? For when you're learning to swim. And you feel a bit like a turtle, because they put them up here, and then you actually can't move. You're like this, right? And my brother thought it was great fun being three years older than me. He realized if he just pulled me by my legs under the water and then let me go, I'd pop up like a cook, Right? I mean, aren't siblings lovely? They just, you know, they're awesome. But, but here's the thing. We can't sleep. We can't sink when we have Jesus with us. You know, we might, it might feel in the temporary moment like the waves are crashing over us, like they're overcoming us, like we're being pushed down. But let me tell you, it's just a matter of time before you're going to rise back up to the top. Amen? You can't lose for winning. Such is the power that lives on the inside of us. But listen, there are some times in our life that we can spend longer below the surface than we need to. It's not, you know what happens if you spend too long below the surface? You ain't coming back up, right? And here's the thing, God created you to win. He created you to succeed, to dominate, to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth and take your authority and have dominion, right? To go back and take back the land that the enemy stole. He created you for that. This isn't something outside of your ability. It's part of your new ability in Christ. It's part of your new ability. Remember, God is not going to set you up for success, for failure. He's only going to set you up for success. He's never going to ask you to do something you can't do. Right? But Because when, when he is with us, which he always is, Christ in us, he strengthens us. He gives us ability and wisdom and knowledge that we didn't have before we were born again. But there is something that will keep, there are, there are thought patterns and mindsets that will keep us below the surface of those waves longer than we need to. And that is the traditions of men because they make the word of God of no effect. Now, we could go on a long time here, but there's two particular that I want to look at, okay, because these negative mindsets can hinder us from walking in the victory that God has for us. He's a good God. He has victory for us. He has great and precious promises, but we've got to go take possession of them, Right? The promises of God don't come to pass in our life automatically. Even though the promises of God are yes and amen, we have to put the amen to his yes. Amen? amen. All right. So let's look at some of these. I want to look, there's, there's, there's two particular uh, responses that I want to look at in the word of God. These are mindsets that, um, that the word talks about. And there are more than that, but we're just going to get, we're going to sit on these two today. Okay. Um, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, verse, uh, where are we? I'm in the wrong page. Okay, go back a page, Carly. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Okay? 
Verse 14. So as then as the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise, talking about Jesus, took part in these so that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil. Many people fear death, right? But it says here that Jesus has delivered us from the power of death. He delivered us from the power of death. But look at this in verse 15. And deliver those who through fear of death were throughout their lives or all their lifetime subject to bondage. This is, a, this is a problem that plagues people and keeps them in bondage, keeps them from accessing everything God has for them their whole lifetime. And it's called fear. It's called fear. That fear mindset. Well, you know, fear of lack. Well, what about fear of lack? God says, I shall have no lack and everything I touch prospers and I have an abundance for every good thing, right? He says, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. You know, every fear that we could list down, there is is an antidote in the word of God for. You know, 1 Timothy 2 verse 7 says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. This is so important because our mind should be sound. God has given it to us. But sometimes the negative mindsets, the previous way of thinking, can cause the word of God to become of none effect. We need to take the word of God and mix it with faith is what it says in Proverbs 4 verse 2. Okay? But this problem of fear, we can't, just, we can't just ignore it. People are afraid of all kinds of things. They're afraid of being poor. They're afraid of being lonely. They're afraid of being vulnerable. They're afraid of failure. Right? Of people. And that's why people don't take risks. They don't take risks. Because at the end of the day, this is, this is the same problem that the disciples were dealing with in the middle of the storm in that boat. They were looking around them at them and they're thinking, man, those waves are big. Those, what are we thinking? I don't know. Those waves are big. I mean, that was fine when we came out. What are we thinking? Right? They start looking at the wind and the waves and they start thinking, I mean, you may as well have run up one of those, one of those waves with a measuring tape and, oh, that's a big wave. That's a 10-footer. I don't know this little boat is going to go over that. Right? When we start looking at what fear does is it looks only at our natural resources our natural abilities, and it will gravitate every time towards, the, towards the, the, the lack, towards the problem. It'll show you all of your faults, all of the reasons why you can't do what God has told you you can do. This is what fear does, and it's subtle. It's subtle. It's subtle. You see, fear involves torment, but we have an antidote to that. Perfect love casts out fear according to First John, right? Because fear involves torment. Some of us encourage fear in our life. We encourage it. We embrace it. We go watch horror movies. Don't do that. It's dumb. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Slap it right out of you. Right? We, we put ourselves in situations where, where fear is prevalent. Right? We put ourselves at risk because we, we, haven't, been list, we haven't been led in our lives, being guided by the, the, by the Lord. We hang out with people that aren't good for us. We put ourselves at risk. Right? And then we wonder, why is there no peace in my life? Why am I struggling in this area? Why am I, why am I, why I got anxiety? Why have I got depression? Right? Some of it is just a result of really bad choices. Okay? We can propagate that in our life. But the thing is, we cannot operate in fear and faith at the same time. We can't. And God has delivered us from the spirit of fear. Amen. He's given, he's given us a way out. He's given, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us the power and love and a sound mind. I want to look at something here. This is the first example of fear in the scripture. You see, the devil is so sneaky. He's so sneaky. He just wants you to be trapped in the bondage of your mind and your old mindsets so that you can't enter into everything that God has for you. You see, he doesn't have any real power. He's just trying to mess with you and your thinking. Because he, know, he knows he's been defeated and he needs you to cooperate with him in order for anything negative to manifest in your life. If we refuse to, ma- to cooperate with, with his negativity and his lies, he has no power. He needs our buy-in, okay? Look at this. This is the, the first time you see fear in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 3, okay? It's right there at the fall. So here comes the serpent. He says he was, he was the more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. That the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said that you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? You know, this is the problem. God didn't say that, okay? He twisted the words slightly. 
And the reason he was able to do that was because Adam was the one that was there when the original instruction was given in the first place not to eat of the tree. She got it secondhand. We need to be really careful because if we don't hear from God ourselves, fear has the opportunity to creep in, right? It has the opportunity to creep in. We, we will be more easily deceived, more susceptible to deceit and the lies of the enemy if we don't have a first-hand encounter of Jesus, right? We'll be more likely to be moved away, more likely to have the words of God twisted. And this is what he's subtle, right? There's just enough truth in this statement to make it seem believable. It's easy to tell the difference between a blatant lie and the truth, isn't it? But, you know, if, if there's just enough of a, of a lie, just enough, tr- just enough truth in that lie, it's easier to believe it and fall for it, isn't it? Because it sounds plausible. It sounds like it could be true, right? And so that's why she fell for it. But there's another thing here. Look, see, the, the woman gave him a response. He said, God said, you will not eat of it, nor will you touch it, lest you surely will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For the Lord God knows that on the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Lie number two, right there. The reason is they were already like God. They were made in his image, given his name, told to go forth and and multiply and and subdue the earth. One of the problems here, actually, this is a whole other subject, was Adam didn't lead his wife. Lack of leadership or poor leadership makes people insecure, Right? If Adam had taken his authority as the man of God and led his wife, fear would not have crept in. Anyway, we can't go there. Right. That's just a tease. You can ask Pastor Defar about good leadership, how we lead our families, okay? Right. And so, you know, they were already like God. They were already like God. But look at the result of that. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasing to the eyes, that's another problem. She was only looking with her eyes eyes you know eyes is going to lead you astray because all our physical eyes can do is see the natural world that's all it can do okay it says it was good for eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise you see she thought she was missing something he came in with the deception like you haven't got everything there's something that you're missing that you need because she didn't really understand what it meant to be complete in the image of god If we aren't secure in our identity as children of God, we're going to fall for the lies of the enemy every time. We need to be secure. We need to understand who God is in us and who we are in him. Amen. And it will shut down this negative mindset of fear. And so it says the eyes of both were opened and they they ate of the fruit. And look in verse 7, okay. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Suddenly they were aware of their limitations. That is what fear does. It only focuses on you and the lack of you, right? On your limitations. So they sewed fig leaves together. Jesus had a problem with fig leaves later in the Bible, but, you know, now you know why. And they made coverings for themselves, okay? They made coverings for themselves. You see, another thing that fear will do is it will pull you into isolation. It will cause you to experience shame and condemnation. Right? You see how it's it's so important to deal with the negative mindset of fear because it happened in the garden. It was the first attack, attack number one of the enemy. Then comes shame, then comes condemnation. That's the one-two punch of the enemy, right? Well, he'll, he'll, he'll do things like this. What kind of believer are you, right? You're not a very good Christian. Look at all these things that you do. He'll point out all of your failings, all of the times, all of your past mistakes. You know why? He only has the past. He doesn't know your future. That's one way you can spot a lie of the enemy. It's always centered around your past. It'll never tell you your future. It doesn't know your future, right? So here he is. He causes shame and condemnation. And they they cause them to cover themselves. When they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, the creator, their father. You know what fear does? It draws you away from God. God never backed off on them. Look at this. He says God was walking. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Even after they sinned, mankind fell. They wrecked it for everybody else. God is still fellowshipping with them. Doesn't that tell us something about God? 
You know, he never separated himself from mankind. Mankind separated themselves from him. This is important because when fear comes and it highlights everything that's bad, that's wrong, it causes anxiety, it causes shame, it condemn, condemnation, there's a part of us that will pull back from the things of God. Part of us that think, I'm just, I can't tell anyone about that. I can't tell anyone about it. I'm ashamed. I can't, I can't come to church. I can't tell Pastor Defar and Chipo what I've done. They're going to reject me. It's lies. It's lies. You know what? The church is for the broken, right? It's for the people that need healing. It's for the children of God. It's for family. It's for the disconnected, the disjoint, the disjointed, the disadvantaged, the diseased. It's for, you know, it's for you. Amen. God created you to be in fellowship. That's why he gave Adam a wife, right? Those people that are praying for a spouse, okay? It's good to be in community, right? It's good to be in community. But the devil will try and isolate you. He'll try and isolate you because he doesn't want you. You know, the devil knows that there is power in unity. There's actually a command. We don't have time to go there, but we, there is a commanded blessing, a commanded blessing on unity in the scripture, right? That's why God says where two or three are gathered, I'm there in his name, in my name. Right? I mean, I'm, th- I'm there. There's a commanded blessing that happens when people are in unity. That's why the enemy likes to come with divisions. I want to get you offended, your neighbor. Right? Oh, so-and-so, you know, didn't, didn't like what I was wearing or so-and-so didn't. You know, Pastor Tafari, he didn't greet me at the door. I'm offended. Grow up. Right? Seriously. That's childish thinking. It is. That's not the kind of thinking that comes from mature believers. You know, we want to walk in everything that God has for us. Some of us need to put away some childish things, some childish mentalities, some childish behaviors. Oh, someone didn't give me enough attention. They didn't like my post on Instagram. My God, right? Come on now. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Don't worry, I'm leaving in a minute and he's got to fix it. (laughs) All right, look at this. He says, the Lord called man and said to him, where are you? Okay, and in verse 10 he says, then I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid. Here we are. Because I was naked, so I hid myself. Fear crept in. It caused division. It caused separation. It caused shame and condemnation. And it came because there was a lack of leadership because Eve didn't have a first-hand account of what God said and because they didn't recognize that they were already complete in in, in him. They, They weren't missing anything. God had already given them authority, but they didn't use it. You know, the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. Some of us don't, use the, don't see the word of God come to pass in our life because we aren't applying it. God gave them a word. This, is the, this was the time when that serpent came around creeping in line. They should have taken dominion over that thing, right? Some of us are dealing with things in our life still because we need to take authority over them. Now, the good news is it's never too late. It's never too late. Amen. You may be thinking, man, I, I guess I didn't handle that situation right. Or I've got, some, I've got some crops growing in my garden that I don't like. You know what? We can have a crop failure. Right? If you don't like the crop that's growing in your garden, plant a different seed. Amen. It's never too late. It's never too late. God's a God of restoration. Let me tell you, everything that God touches multiplies. Everything. Amen. That was one of the original instructions in the garden. Go forth and multiply. Amen. You were designed to increase. It's who you are. So when the serpent comes to you with his lies and that old poverty mindset that says, I've come from poverty. I'm always going to live in poverty. My grandparents were in poverty. My family's cursed and all of that nonsense, right? We're going to say, hang on. That sounds like a lie from the serpent from the pit of hell. Let me just call that for what it is. I don't think so. Right? When we start standing up in our authority, God has given me an assignment. He has told me. He's given me his name. He's created me in his image. He's given me his authority and told me to. I'm multiplying. Amen? I don't care what you say, lying devil. I don't care what you say, wind and waves and circumstances. You know what? That doesn't change. That old stuff there, that old history, that old tradition, doesn't change a word from God. I've been told I'm going to the other side. doesn't matter what storm comes against me. I'm going to the other side. You know, when we start to stand up to the enemy, rather than letting the wind and the waves and the lies wash over us, and the traditions of men cause the word of God to be in our faith, when we start to stand up to that, what we're doing is we're renewing our mind to what the word of God says. 
It is. Amen. This is the word of God, right? Amen. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. We need to be excited. This is the truth. The truth that sets us free. How many need a little freedom in their finances? How many need a little freedom in their bodies, in their relationships, in their thinking, amen, in their future? Come on, right? It begins on the inside. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This problem of fear, we cannot, we cannot let it go. We have to nail it. You know, there was a man at one time, and I'll give you a healing example of this, okay, because fear will keep people in sickness too. You know, people, this man came to a conference. And he, uh, he came, and he came for prayer on the prayer line. His, his wife was terminally ill. She was so sick, she couldn't come to the conference. She was in the hotel in the bed. And, she, and he said, I want you to pray for me to go back to the hotel room, lay hands on my wife, and see and see it made well. She, she was crippled, just riddled with pain. She couldn't move. It was just a, she wasn't expected to live. It was just a bad way, right? And these, you know, he was young. He was probably only in his 20s. His wife was in his 20s. He was only young. Hadn't been married that long. But, you know, before I even prayed for him, I could see he was terrified. He was terrified. The fear, the fear of losing his wife was so real to him. He wasn't able to operate in faith. You see, fear and faith can't cohabitate. You know, when Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, the whole time he kept his eyes on Jesus, he kept his, his feet above water. The minute he looked away, he started to sink. Right? This is what happens. And so the Lord said to me, you've got to deal with the fear first. So I spoke over him the peace that surpasses all your understanding to fill his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We, we speak the perfect love of God casts out fear. And I tell you, his countenance changed. It's like a weight lifted from that man. The supernatural peace of God filled every cell in his body. And I, and I, I almost forgot to pray for his wife. But, you know, we got so carried away. But the power of God was in this man. Well, he, he went off and, and I didn't think about it until that night. Okay, and, uh, and, and that night, the evening meeting, he comes back with this lady and he says, you don't, you don't recognize me, do you? And I paid for hundreds of people. I have to be honest, I didn't recognize him. And, you know, I think he looked so different. He just looked, he, he was glowing. He just looked, he was delivered, right? And he came back and said, I want you to introduce you to my wife. I'm like, okay. He says, no, you don't understand. This is my wife. I'm like, okay, you go, brother, you're going to have to help me out, Okay. <laughs> And uh, anyway, long story short, as, you know, when, when we delivered he, this man from fear, you know, this woman had been wanting to step out in faith. She'd been wanting to believe God, but the fear of her loved one around her had held her in bondage, right? Because your family can love you to death with fear of losing you, right? I'm serious. They were so close. But the minute this woman, this, you know, this woman was released from that because fear was broken, the power of God hit her in her hotel bedroom, completely healed in that instant. By the time he got back to the hotel room, she was up out of bed and showering. She was completely well. Amen. And they came down to testify. It was, it was man, whew, thank you, Lord. Right? This, this is why we cannot cohabitate with fear. It is a mindset that has become entrenched. You watch television. It is, it, is, it is just feeding on your fear. The commercials, the adverts, you need insurance, you need medication. You need, but then if you take the medication, then you're going to have side effects. It's just all the news. Oh, my goodness. They love to forecast doom and gloom, right? Well, the economy, the weather, the government, you know, if this happens and then this happens and these things collide, why it's going to be a... And you know what? They get more and more excited the worse it is. Have you noticed that? They get more excited about giving you bad news than anything else. You know, you might get a good news clip that's like this big, right? Now, somebody with their puppy or something. Now, moving on to all these people that are dying, right? I mean, like the fear is it's driven. We've got to be careful what we allow because the enemy's subtle. And he's going to feed on negative mindsets. He's going to feed on it. And if we're not careful, it's going to come out of our mouth. I want to look at something. This is... um. This is, uh, you know, Heather mentioned offense, okay? Let's look at this in 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Now, praise Jesus. All right, so 2 Kings. Now, this is a man, this is Naaman, okay? He's the captain of the army of Aram. He was a great man before his master and had great favor because by him the Lord had given deliverance to Aram. He was a mighty warrior. He was a man of great stature. He was very proud, okay? But he had leprosy. 
right? He had leprosy. Anyway, long story short, he had leprosy. Now, in those days, couldn't be cured, okay? People died of leprosy. It's very contagious. So he's trying to, you know, he, he didn't want to tell anyone, really, because there's a shame in that. Got to cover it up, right? He's got something to lose more than just his life, okay? So here he is, and, um, and he's, he, the, 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 the prophet comes into town, okay? Verse 8, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent word, he was sad, right? He sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, and he will, let, he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Prophets were big deals, okay? So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot, and he, his whole entourage, and he stood at the entrance of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a message to him saying, go and wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be returned and cleansed. Now, look at his response. But Naaman, you'd think he'd be happy about this, right? He was going to die, lose everything, you know, leprosy was going to take him down. And here he is saying the prophet has given him the solution to his problem. You know, most people would be like, oh, praise the Lord. Amen. My deliverance has arrived. But no, look at this. Verse 11. Naaman became angry. Pastor, can you imagine, right? And surely he went away and said to himself, surely he could have come out and stood here and called on the name of the Lord his God and waved his hand over the infected area and taken away the leprosy. This man was so proud. He was disappointed. He was offended because the, 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 the prophet of God did not come out and give him the honor he thought he deserved. He thought he was all that and a big deal, Right? And the prophet of God, it didn't happen how he thought it was going to happen. You know what? This is so dumb. Offense is so dumb, right? The Bible talks about it like a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. There are many people that miss out of the power of God in their life because they become offended. Offended at their pastor. Offended at their neighbor. Offended at their family. Offended at the church. Offended at God. Offense is stupid. And he nearly missed out. Look at this. It, the, 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 um, somebody came thankfully and took sense into him and said one of his servants approached, right? <laughs> he go, I mean, he goes on a complete rant here. Are not Abana and Parfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in those rivers and be clean? The Jordan's apparently kind of nasty. So he turned and went away in a rage. You see, you know, pride entered in. And it, and it entered into offense, and it entered into anger. It escalated. You know what? If we focus, if we allow these negative mindsets to stay in our life and we don't address them, they will escalate. And they will take us out of the picture. They will take you down before anything else will. You know, we are our own worst enemy. Never mind the, never mind the devil. He's defeated. Right, We can be our own worst enemy. He nearly missed out on this. But in verse 13, but his servants approached and spoke to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, some great thing, would you not have done it? That really showed his heart, didn't it? You know, if he, if he had told you to go before the people and dance, you probably would have done it, right? But remember, the prophet told him to do something that wasn't going to get him any credibility. How much more then when he said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh returned like the flesh of a little boy and he was clean. And the next thing he did, he gave an offering. That's interesting. Man, we could go there, but anyway, right? But here's the thing. When, 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 when those, when those um, realities were presented to him, he repented. So it doesn't, you know, if you find yourself in a place where you've, 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 you've lived an offense and you know who you are, right? Because you're so easily offended, you filter life through a filter of offense, right? You're so sensitive to everybody else, you know, to everybody else doing things just right. You just, you just get bent out of shape and you, molt, you chew it over all the time, you know, or, and, and then it starts to lead to anger because things multiply and they grow. You know, if you found yourself in a position like that and you know you're missing out on the things and you don't like it in yourself, we can do what Naaman did. Now we can turn this thing around. Lord, I'm sorry. Immediately, he didn't, he's back in again. Now he's positioned again to receive everything God has for him. You know, the, the promise of God for healing was always there for Naaman. It didn't go. But he couldn't enter into it until he stepped over the stumbling block of offense. And sometimes we let these things, fear and doubt, unbelief, um, offense, actually hold us back and keep us out of the things of God. 
Man, let's not miss out on the things of God because of our negative past mindsets. We can change. We can turn those things around and we can start to respond in faith. You know, we, there's no one else that can take charge of our thinking but us. Yeah. Amen? You know, Romans 12 puts it this way. It says, Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 puts it this way. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like everyone else. The world is overrated. Okay? But be transformed. Who needs some transformation? Amen? Not confirmation. Transformation. The world is trying to conform. The world is trying to make you look like everybody else. Believe like everyone else. Dress like everyone else. Think like everyone else. What, poor and sick and defeated? No, thank you. Right? I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, into the presence of God, in the full power of power and love and of a sound mind. Amen? And it comes by the renewing of our mind. So let's agree today that we're going to put the word of God ahead of our previous misconceptions. That we are going to step over offense. That we are going to step over anger and bitterness and lay those things aside and say, Lord, you know what? I'm sorry. Help me. When we do that, we positioned ourselves perfectly to receive everything the Lord has been wanting to get to us all along, but that we have struggled to receive because of our negative thinking. Amen? All right. So can I pray for you? All right. Let's stand up. Let's all stand up here. God is good. Heather, do you want to come up and help me? you want to come up and pray for people as well? Awesome. All right. So if you have a prayer language, let's just start, let's start using that prayer language right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah means holy God. You're a holy God. You're an awesome God. You're the creator of the universe. Hallelujah, we have Jesus who died and took everything. It's not because of what we do, but it's because of what he did. Thank you, Jesus. We have a Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. We have flames of fire called angels that listen and do the bidding of his word. And as we begin to speak the word of God, hallelujah, things begin to change. The atmosphere begins to change. We're beginning to change the atmosphere in our life. Hallelujah, by the word of God. Hallelujah. Blessing, blessing, blessing in favor. Blessing and favor belongs to you in every area of the covenant that you have with Jesus. Revelation, power, and knowledge begin to work in your life. Hallelujah. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying. For those who have ears to hear, begin to hear what the heart of God is saying to you today for your life right now. Beginning to reveal all things. Having knowledge in Him. Having wisdom in Him. Having a heart for Him. You're winning. You're winning. You're beginning to win. You're beginning to win. Hallelujah, Jesus. I feel like the Lord is saying, someone, do not back down. Do not back down. Hold on to the promise that I have delivered from you and do not back down. It is well. It is well. It is well with your soul. It is well with your children. It is well with your finances. It is well with your health. Right now, it is well with your job. It is you are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the in the in the in the town. You are blessed coming in. You are blessed going out. Everything you touch prospers. Everything. Just just watch and see the de- watch and see what I am doing for you. Watch and see what I am doing for you. There is more going on behind the scenes than you can see with your physical eyes right now. Way more. There are things that are changing. There are chains that are breaking. There are doors. Somebody, you have had a no, and God says, it's yes. It's yes. It's yes. It's yes. Thank you, Jesus. He says, don't take a no for an answer. It is not the last report. It is not the last report. Believe the report of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We release healing in here. 
We release healing in here to flow through people from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Right now, there are people's internal organs that are coming back to life. They're coming back to life. Full capacity, full function, full function. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The rheumatoid conditions are leaving. The rheumatoid conditions are leaving right now. There's a heart condition that is being healed. There's restoration that's happening in someone's breathing right now. There is someone who's being set free from an asthmatic condition right now. Thank you, Lord. There's cancer that's dying. Cancer that is dying right now. Thank you, Lord. There is knee pain. Someone has a pain in their knee. But it's rubbing. It hurts when you go up and down the steps, when you crouch down on your heels. Right now, there's pain that's being lifted. There's cartilage that's being repaired in there. It's being repaired in there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This house is blessed. Amen. This house, how many of you believe God can do more than one thing in a setting? Oh, come on. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that he can do more than one thing? He can heal and he can deliver and he can Amen. also deliver a word all at the same time. I hear the Lord saying to Pastor Tafara and Chipo over this church, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit and lead you in the way you shall go because I have responsibilities for you and it's going to take resources for your responsibilities to get my word to the world hallelujah it's my word coming through your mouth that thy word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your future hallelujah and it takes resources i hear the lord saying i am supplying I am supplying, hallelujah, it is not by might, and it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of Almighty God that you move and breathe and have your being, that you fulfill the commission that I have marked you for, hallelujah, for such a time as this. Thank you, Jesus, blessed, blessed, do not fear, do not fear, there is no fear, I am supplying all your needs. According to my riches, not yeah. yours. According to my riches and my glory, says the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. There are some of you that are surrounded by doubt, by fear, by people that have given you gifts with strings attached. But right, and they're not the kind of gifts you, you want to receive. They come with conditions. They come with entrapment. They come with bondages. And it's subtle. Right now, I feel like this is real strong. I feel like there needs to be some bondages that have been broken. You've made, there's, you've made some agreements with people. You've said yes to some things that you shouldn't have said yes to. The Lord is going to give you a way out. And then the peace of God is going to return to your life that was missing. There are some people that are, that are out of peace right now. They're out of salt because they've come into agreement with things they shouldn't have come into agreement with. But the Lord's delivering you. He's protecting you. There's a protection right now. We call those words to come to void. Those words to come to void right now. We call an annulment of that agreement. An annulment of that ungodly agreement right now. And Lord, I I thank you for, for bringing new people into their life that are godly, that are good influences, that are mentors to them, that are going to train them up in the way that they should go so the patterns of unbelief will not be repeated. Thank you, Jesus, for wisdom in decisions. The Lord is giving you wisdom in decision, in business decisions. In business decisions. You have a problem with an employee, an employee, but you don't know how to handle that situation. But the Lord is giving you wisdom. And I hear the word restoration. That you're going to be instrumental in restoring that person. 
There's a restoration where maybe there should have been disciplinary action. God is going to is going to bring you lead you in a way of restoration. In restoration. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah God. Carly was talking about unity earlier and there's power in unity. There's power when you come together in agreement. And as you come together in agreement in a body of Christ, hallelujah, Jesus. You know, there's people that are called to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Then there's the whole 21 gifts. We are all part of it. Amen. God is no respecter of persons, what, whatever it is. Thank you, Jesus. And we talk about it this way. If you're an apostle, to know if you're an apostle or a prophet or a pastor, you know by your responsibility. Who are you responsible for? And I truly believe that they are marked out of responsibility unto God. And as you moving together in a body of Christ, the Lord says this building is too small. It's too, this is too small. And it's not just too small for Pastor Tafaro and Chipo. It's too small for all of you. You're a part of this. You're in it. And you have a responsibility to a people group that you're responsible for Mm. to bring into the kingdom and to snatch them out of the gates of hell and bring them out of bondage and to bring them out of poverty and to bring them into blessing and abundance. Hallelujah. To live live in abundance into the full as God intended for your right, your your life originally, as Carly was talking about, in the garden. So when you go out today, when you go out, be praying for them. Watch your words. Do not speak negatively. Do not speak about the things that the Lord is doing in here because it's part of what you're doing too. But coming together in unity, it's just so powerful. And there is strength in numbers. And there is strength in unity. And there is strength in the people of God. And that's you. And that is this house. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we believe and we receive every good and precious promise that you have for us today. We speak a blessing over the members, the congregation right here. We call it, we call blessing, overflow, resources, abundance in yes. their life, protection on their families, protection on their on their businesses, protection yes. on their children. Yes. Lord, I thank you that we are blessed as we go from here in the week that we have until we meet again. Lord, I thank you for good things. We're expecting good things. Doors of opportunity this week. Breakthrough this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.